0: You're listening to the fourth and last programme in the series on the Callan Schism. Previously, the court cases Callan parish priest Father Robert O'Keefe brought against his bishops, curates and the cardinal were recalled and explored. These court cases all originated from an argument Father O'Keefe had with his bishop over the establishment of a girls' school to be run by French nuns. Over the course of time, their argument had come to the attention of the English government much to the annoyance of Cardinal Cullen.
1: I fear Mr Gladstone will play the part of Bismarck in regard to education.
0: At the time, William Gladstone was Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, and he became interested in the controversy as it challenged some of his own strongly held beliefs. Colin Barr, Senior Lecturer in History at the University of Aberdeen and author of the book The European Culture Wars in Ireland, The Callan Schools Affair 1868-81, gives us an insight into the man.
2: He's Prime Minister in 1868 and he's still Prime Minister, not continuously, in the 1890s. It's just the most astonishingly lengthy career. And he's one of these people that does things in reverse. There's an old quote attributed to Winston Churchill and others about something to the effect of he who's not a liberal at the age of 20 has no heart and is not a conservative at the age of 50 has no mind. It's said different ways and with different ages. Gladstone is in reverse. He's a reactionary conservative as a young man, Um, sort of Jacob Rees-Mogg, age 25. But he becomes this more radical figure. He converts to home rule famously for Ireland in the 1880s. And he moves much more in this direction as he, as he gets older, but he's around forever. But at the center of everything for him is religion. And there's sort of there's two ways to illustrate that, neither of which have relationship to O'Keefe, but sum up the man. First is he kept a diary throughout his life in almost 15-minute increments. And this is while he's prime minister, or whether he's in parliament or on vacation. And the reason why is he believed it to be a literal thing that when he dies, he would go to the pearly gates. St. Peter would ask him to account for his life. He wanted to be able to refer to his notes, that he hadn't wasted his time. So there's this incredible sense of the divine presence to him. The other indication is one of the the things when the diaries became first became available, there was a little symbol, which I can't really describe on radio, but a little squiggle. And historians didn't know what it meant. And it finally was worked out, it indicated a whip. Historians realized 20 or 30 years back more, that one of Gladstone's activities, he had a tremendous energy. So, for example, he read thousands of books in his life. He wrote a number of them. When he wasn't doing that or running the country or giving great speeches, he was chopping down trees. People actually used to come and watch him and take away the splinters as a souvenir. Also, after Parliament, that time Parliament could go to midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., He would sometimes, sometimes with his wife, sometimes by himself, he would go out into the streets of London and try and convince prostitutes to change their ways while he was prime minister. And the little squiggle is when he at any point felt any feeling of lust. There's no suggestion he acted on it, but he would then go and scourge himself, whip himself, because again, he had felt a sinful, had a sinful thought. So this is a man for whom, one, of huge energy, obviously, but also incredibly deep spirituality. So he sees the O'Keefe case again, through this global light. Gladstone had to be dissuaded by his own cabinet that the British government should not get involved in the infallibility discussion because they said, no, it no, don't. But he's fascinated by it, because to him this absolutely matters. And O'Keefe knows this, and he plays on this. So his ability to reach Gladstone, Uh, which he does, and he's invited to go and see him, he spends time with the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, is because O'Keefe is able to contextualize his circumstances in Callan with the riots and the fights and his sister's grocery store and all these things in this global context or this European context. Uh, That's why I call the book The European Culture Wars in Ireland, because Gladstone genuinely doesn't care about Callan. It's not of interest to him. And that's not against Callan, it's not against Gladstone, it's just not what people at that level worry about. But he really cares about it. The way his mind works with Religion Central, that this is an attack by Rome on freedom. And he thinks his job is to protect religious truth, which he associates with the Church of England, even though he just disestablished the Church of Ireland.
0: Gladstone wasn't alone in his support of O'Keefe, who found many a sympathetic ear amongst the members of Parliament.
3: Robert O'Keefe has been caught in one of the many snares which the Jesuits of Rome had prepared. And he has lost upwards to 300 pounds a year by being deprived of the management of the schools of Callum. Every Englishman and Scotsman who assented to the decisions of the National Board had virtually consented to the supremacy of Pope Pius IX. Cardinal Cullen suspended O'Keefe and made him a pariah and an outlaw. And in accepting this suspension, the National Education Board ensured that he was not to be treated as a British subject. Cardinal Cullen damns him for life and the National Board cooperated. Not only did they refuse to let him have an opportunity to be heard, but they would not even give him notice that he was to be dealt with.
2: My name Edward Bouverie who was MP for Kilmarnock in Scotland, who was one of these people, although a liberal, was convinced, and this is a liberal government at the time, Gladstone is the liberal prime minister, was convinced by this fear of the Pope, that this is simply the O'Keeffe affair is a part of this global campaign against freedom coming from Rome. So he brings it to Parliament. And from a parliamentary perspective, this man O'Keefe has been terribly badly treated. He's lost his job. All he's done is tried to vindicate his reputation in the courts as any of us might wish to do. And Gladstone has an enormous problem because he agrees with this. Hmm. He actually thinks you know the Boover is right that O'Keeffe has been badly treated.
0: Order. Questions. As to you the may Prime remember, Father Robert O'Keefe has been suspended as parish priest of Callan and has as a result lost his job as manager of the national schools and chaplain of the poorhouse the outcome of his libel case against Cardinal Cullen has also been overturned. However, the only solution the British MPs can come up with to right the wrongs against O'Keefe is to attack Ireland's National Education Board. They did, after all, fire O'Keefe as manager of the Callan schools. This, however, opens up a whole new can of worms.
2: Bouverie's motion is to censure the National Board. It's the only thing he has any access to by uh, symbolically reducing its grant by £1,000. But what, of course, that does is says you've done wrong. The majority of the national board says if you do this, you've said that you've lost your confidence on us, we'll resign. Worse than that, the Catholic Church would almost certainly withdraw its support because it doesn't like the national system, but it tolerates it because it knows that the parish priest will be the manager. If the parish priest can fall out with his bishop, be suspended, and sue him, And still be a manager, those aren't a Catholic schools, in the church's opinion. And the entire complex compromise that Irish education still rests on, only now being unwound and still controversially, will blow up. So Gladstone cannot possibly let this happen. Much, much worse than anything happening to O'Keefe. But he doesn't actually know how to fix it, because he agrees. The
0: Irish National Education System was set up in 1831 to provide state-funded education to children of all religions. Vincent Comerford, former professor of modern history at NUI Maynooth.
4: Most of the time, the children in the school would study general subjects, especially reading, writing and arithmetic. But then for one hour a day or one day a week, they would study religion and it was left up to the various churches uh, to decide uh, what way they were going to arrange that. Now, Many Protestants opposed the national schools. They were outraged that the state would now be supporting a system that did not favour and promote uh, the state religion. Now, in the early years then, by contrast, Catholics generally were warmly in support of the national schools and this was especially true of Archbishop Murray of Dublin.
0: But the new Archbishop and Cardinal is Cardinal Cullen. Through the lobbying of Cardinal Cullen, who recognised the huge growth potential for the Catholic Church once education was in their hands, the Irish education system changed.
4: The outcome was that the national education system remained in place despite Cullen's antagonism to it. However, the schools under the national board, in effect, now became denominational. So, de facto, almost every school under the board was henceforth either Catholic or Protestant. And the board then, from this time on, which was, of course, appointed by the government, but it became henceforth approximately 50% Catholic, 50% Protestant, so that it was a place where the tensions and the different interests of Catholics and others were thrashed out. And this is evident in the O'Keeffe case where you can see there's this conflict going on. After Father O'Keefe was dismissed as parish priest, he was removed from his position as manager of several national schools and as chaplain to the workhouse and this exposed an ambiguity in church-state relations in ireland and this was uh, what O'Keeffe then sought to exploit Uh, and uh, the issue was this could parliament government and the courts look on and do nothing while someone was being removed from office in publicly funded institutions on the say-so of a Catholic bishop.
2: And this really was the, the nub of the O'Keeffe case. So what they do, in the first time this comes up, is they punt. They basically say, look, this is before the courts. It would be wrong for Parliament to express a view. And he, on that basis, he's able to delay by about a year. But once the courts have expressed a view, and at this point, remember, Cullen is convicted, then it comes back to Parliament.
0: And the MPs in Parliament were up in arms again.
2: The German Emperor has just signed the new laws for the defence of the state of Prussia against the invasion of his rights and those of his subjects. I do trust, when such a grievance as this, when such a manifest defiance of the law, when such an invasion of the supremacy of the Crown
3: is not only alleged but admitted, that the House of Commons will not shrink from hearing
2: Mr. O'Keefe.
0: This time, Gladstone comes up with a clever idea to handle the O'Keefe case.
2: If anyone's ever watched the British show Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister will know the best thing you do in the circumstances is have a committee. And that's what he does. He forms a committee. That's going to investigate and report back. Now, he tries to stack the committee because that's, again, what you do. And Parliament pushes back. They put two extras on it, which should be enough to, to, to make the outcome in doubt. And there's a big, there's an, almost another trial in London for this House of Commons select committee. O'Keefe comes over. Uh, Cullen does not, but representatives for him do. And different parliamentarians, representing the Liberals or the Catholics or the Conservatives or the Protestants, interrogate the different witnesses.
0: Here's an example of some of the questions the O'Connor Don put to Father O'Keefe.
2: How long was Mary Ann feeling a teacher in Cullen?
3: Twenty years. And was she a very good teacher? Yes, First class? Yes. Why was she dismissed? Because she disowned my authority. How? She went over to the side of the curates and the bishop and the cardinal. How so? By taking Easter communion at the cathedral, not the parish church. You dismissed her at once, although she had been over twenty years teaching in the school... Because she had gone to communion, not in your chapel, but in Kilkenny? It was in defiance of the Council of Trent and a very gross violation of duty.
0: Despite many of the MPs sympathising with Father O'Keefe's plight, the Callan priest fails to have a positive impact.
2: And O'Keefe does very badly, again. For them, it was never about O'Keefe. He's irrelevant. It's what he represents. For O'Keefe, of course, that's not how this works. It is about him, and that, yeah. that's obviously fair one of his great supporters had been the two-time Liberal Prime Minister Lord John Russell, who by this point is retired, but he's a grandee of the party, who also fears this Catholic oppression. He'd supported O'Keefe publicly, he'd donated money to him, but O'Keefe uninvited turns up at his house in London. There's a party going on, Russell is a polite man, he's a gentleman, he invites O'Keefe in, listens to what he has to say, he and his wife are horrified by this, as they see it, this voluble, almost grotesque Irish priest. They think he's Cracked, basically.
0: They can't get over the state of Father O'Keefe. And an account of the incident survives in a letter Lady Russell wrote to her son. He came into the drawing room without a bow or an apology or a word of courtesy, bursting with his case, which he poured into every ear near him in succession, with true Irish volubility, self-possession, exaggeration and brogue. He informed the Prime Minister that even he did not understand the barbarity with which he had been treated. He evidently takes delight in the cruelty with which he has been treated as cruelty unequal, he told us, since the creation. O'Keefe is struggling to maintain his integrity, and he is obviously feeling the stress of his situation.
2: The pressure has been mounting on him, he needs money, this is his last chance, but he doesn't impress What happens is the committee realizes that its terms of reference don't actually allow it to pass judgment, only to find fact. So they simply report their proceedings. There's huge sympathy for O'Keefe in the British parliamentary system. Many, not all, but many people think he's been badly treated. Most of them think it's unfair the National Board fired him. But they're ultimately just not willing to do anything about it
3: the report of the commissioner for standards the commissioners reserve to themselves the power of withdrawing the recognition of a patron or local manager if he shall fail to observe the rules of the board or if it shall appear to them that the education interest of the district requires
2: That's a huge contrast, because it's exactly this time in Germany and in Switzerland and elsewhere. This is the Kulturkampf, the culture wars, the culture struggle, where Otto von Bismarck in Germany is throwing the Jesuits out of Germany, essentially criminalizing the Catholic Church in some ways, limiting its power. All on this civil and religious liberty, ultramontanism versus civil and religious liberty. Weig O'Keefe puts his book out in 1875 on that title. He's trying to pull himself back in. So everywhere in Europe is having, they perceive, the same challenge. But the British state, and this is something in an Irish context, is slightly surprising. The British state says, yes, we've got a case that looks exactly like this. Yes, we think this man has been terribly badly treated. No, we are not going to intervene.
0: So why, given the religious and political climate at the time, did the English government not involve themselves in limiting the power of the Catholic Church?
2: I think two reasons. Uh, One, I think Britain was genuinely more liberal in the modern sense of that word. There was a sense that it wasn't for the British state to intervene to essentially have to try and persecute the Catholic Church because that's where it would have gone. They had no appetite for this. There was a more pragmatic argument, which Gladstone would have been prepared to go there, but the pragmatic argument was different for him, which is if you start messing with Irish compromises education above all, but there were others that would have unwound. You're building up a huge amount of trouble. In other words, you don't want to you don't want to rock the boat in Ireland. It's fraught enough already. you know the Fenian risings are not that long failed risings were not that long ago. Home rule is already beginning to stir. indeed in 1874 in the parliamentary election, the Irish Liberals are swept away. It's the Home Government Association, the Home Rulers uh, essentially replaced the Liberal Party in one election. So you're already seeing these forces gathering. But it's unique. Everywhere else in Europe, where there's a similar case, and there are lots of them, where the state is invited to intervene against the Catholic Church to protect religious and civil liberty, they accept. The British state is given a perfect invitation in Callan They all agree this is what's happening, or most of them agree. But they don't do it. They don't take the bait. And in that sense, it's interesting more for why the dog didn't bark. Because it says something that the United Kingdom at that po- at this point in the 1870s is moving away from its European peers in its treatment of Catholicism, its understanding of the risk presented by Catholicism.
0: After all his efforts, Father O'Keefe has failed to get decisions made by his Catholic superiors overturned, either in court or in Parliament.
3: I want nothing in the wide world but to be allowed to do my duty to God and man in peace and charity with all mankind.
0: But what an amazing man he was.
2: You have to be so stubborn as O'Keefe was to have tried this. Just the the sheer front of a parish priest suing at one stage both his curates, his bishop, his bishop's vicar general, uh, his new bishop and the cardinal archbishop Appealing to the British Prime Minister, uh, writing a book about his—I mean, this is this is so brazen that the the personality that would produce that carries with it the flaws that ultimately make him unsuccessful. You know, the destruction that was wrought on him in the in the cross examination where he essentially blows up, which he then does again in the in the parliamentary committee, but it's hard to imagine anybody a more uh, the word's a bit loaded but a more balanced individual trying this in the first place mm. the odds were so phenomenally stacked against him but that's in some ways the point is that somebody somebody so unsuitable in some ways somebody who in some ways fulfills all the worst stereotypes english stereotypes of an irish priest lord john russell's reaction to him when he comes barging into his home but again, the front of a man turning up at the former prime minister's house, that is almost by the by. It gets all of the play it does, all of the support it does, all of the tension it does, uh, because, again, O'Keefe had successfully expanded the issue. And by doing that, he made himself individually not terribly important, which, again, wasn't his intention. So the, fl- the flaws were always there. They were necessarily there. A more calculating, calmer individual would never have tried it.
0: But all things have their toll and there is always a limit to what a person can sustain. Bishop Moran in his diary records O'Keeffe's state of being in the aftermath of these events.
5: I received him as cordially as I could, but he seemed to have been in great terror. He often repeated that he had been driven to the course he took and had been reduced to ruin. I refused to allow him any justification of the past and told him the moment he ceased to wage war with the Church of God, I became his friend.
2: O'Keefe is unravelling at this point. Once he realises in 1873 that that Parliamentary Commission I mentioned is not going to come out in favour of him, he's not going to get his jobs back, he's seeing his people begin to drift away. You can only have a riot every Sunday for so long passion I mean, the the anger and the animosity and the bitterness that lingers in Callan, or lingered certainly in Callan into the 20th century that Tom Kilroy talks about in the big chapel. Um, That's all there, but you just can't get the energy going. He has no solutions, and his rhetoric is getting increasingly desperate. He actually goes to Moran, he goes to Kilkenny, he goes to the bishop, and he's trying to make peace, but his pride just can't let him. And Moran is trying to open the door for him,
0: Bishop Moran is being as kind as he can be because he recognises the disturbed mental state of O'Keefe.
5: Father O'Keefe is undoubtedly a little deranged, and what use will there be in any retraction that he may make? With a madman, all we can do is to get him out of the way as best we can.
2: Moran and Cullen at at no point are going to stand on ceremony. If O'Keefe would make a complete apology and stop, give us the keys of the church make an apology, go on retreat, they would essentially, I mean, the, the, there was never anything put on paper, but they would have given him an annuity. He could have lived out his life quietly, preferably in a monastery where nobody ever saw him, but they would have let it happen.
5: We offered him everything that could possibly be offered, but all has ended in smoke.
2: His whole identity is now at Parish Priest of Callan. If he gives that up, he's admitted he's wrong, he's admitted he's wasted everybody's time, he's wasted everybody's money, that he isn't what he said he was.
0: And the Callan public are picking up on this, as Bishop Moran notes in his diary.
2: O'Keeffe's Sunday mob
5: consisted of everyone who is discontented or anxious for a row, or Fenian in his sympathies within a radius of 10 or 12 miles.
2: He's lost Callan. Uh, He still has supporters, but they are fewer and fewer and fewer. And he eventually does have to make peace.
0: But before he makes peace, he does try to get another job and approaches Prime Minister Gladstone to put in a good word for him as postmaster in Kilkenny.
3: I wish to inform you that I have applied to the newly appointed postmaster general, Leon Playfair. I have been driven to this necessity by the action of the government boards who insist in opposition to the clearest evidence to the contrary, that I have become a suspended priest. As a consequence, I feel that I have a claim on the government for as good a position as the one I have been forced to abandon by these boards.
0: In Thomas Kilroy's book The Big Chapel, which was inspired by O'Keeffe and the events in Callan, there are some passages that, though fictional character explorations, seem appropriate to include as a tool to our current understanding of the priest. In the following quote, Father O'Keeffe's personality is compared to another character in the book. He says they're both victims, men with visions but hanging between the world and their vision of the world without being able to bridge the two, or at least make a bridge substantial enough to invite across any but the most foolhardy people like himself may be?
6: Yeah. The notion that, that uh, the visionary has a vision of existence, which isn't uh, the same as the reality, and that's why it's a vision. It's something that's conjured up, and that they each have a notion of what life should be, And, of course, it doesn't correspond to what it actually is. And to that extent, they're victims. They find themselves in a situation which is not quite of their making. They have to suffer the consequences of it. And in both cases, I think it was kind of tragic.
0: Extended from that was then that Mr Butler says, to live is to change and to be perfect is to change often. Where'd your signs be boy, if it wasn't for the uncertainty of man before all things? The heat of the fire, the motion of the air and the seas. We fulfill ourselves through doubt, son. It's through darkness that we find our way. And this is the way to we stumble to God. Mm. What's your thinking behind that?
6: Well, the notion that spiritual experience, religious Mm. experience, whatever you want to call it, is associated with light, brightness, Mm. And all the kind of iconography of religion draws upon this notion of a light shining on the face or a shining on the head in some of the great paintings. And that this is, in a way, a contradiction of what actual existence is like. That people have to find their way in, very often, in darkness. Mm. And that this may, in fact, be just as valuable an idea Or belief as the belief in light, and that the notion of God as eternal light might be replaced with the notion of God as eternal darkness. And it fits in with the mentality of somebody like Butler, or indeed Lanigan. Both of them have this contrary, contradictory mentality, but it is out of that contradiction and contrariness that their actual vision comes. And uh, the notion of change uh, that Butler is talking about is uh, the change uh, through evolution. This would have been a period where there was great interest in Darwin and in the new biological sciences coming out, particularly on the question of evolution, and that uh, this is how people develop. They develop through change, Mm. very often uh, change which changes them radically from one thing to another.
0: It could be the case that our father O'Keefe was indeed resistant to change because he clung on to his ideals for a long time. Joe Kennedy of the Callan Heritage Society.
1: It went on for 10 years roughly, you know, it was a long period and financially was what the biggest problem he had. Even though he won his court cases, in a few cases he was looking for thousands of damages but he only got it small amount of money you know so he he literally went broke Mm -hmm. so he wasn't able to fight and also a lot of his backers saw that he was losing anyway and a few times they had been fairly close to solving the problem with the bishop and with Bishop Moran afterwards but uh, he just couldn't be reasoned with almost Mm -hmm. of course he had been winning so long he, he probably felt that he'd eventually win out and then the nuns that did come to Callan, that did actually come to Callan, but they were um, the Mercy Sisters, so they were a different order to what he had. There was all sorts of strands to the thing, more so than just a straightforward fight between him and the bishop.
0: The final straw comes for O'Keefe when the people of Callan sees the parish church.
2: O'Keefe is trying to drum up support, but when he's away, how's he going to control it? And Morin effectively is able to arrange for a seizure of the church. And people earn O'Keeffe's possessions. They you know, the things are hauled out of the of the parish house and burnt, which Morin did not intend and felt bad about. But he'd almost he'd whipped up a counter mob. O'Keeffe, I think, he's devastated by this. I mean it, it's a tragic scene in some ways when he finds out what's happened to to, to his home. And he also I think he, he knows he's lost the town at that point.
1: Oh he did. He was living in poverty and misery really, in the coach house. and he had a few priests that were kind of uh, kind of rebel priests to some degree, a father or Dwyer and a few others that had been helping him. Uh, but they got regularised and they left. And so he was really left on his own in mm. the end and some of his, uh, I suppose, civilian strong supporters emigrated and he, he just really was abandoned in the end. Mm-hmm. It's a very tragic story, it is uh, a Greek tragedy. <laughs> On, on a major scale. it <laughs> would okay. make a great movie, I often felt.
2: He still stirs a couple of times. There's a, there's a threat at one point. Maybe he's going to go back to law. Uh, he does try and handle one case himself. He wins a, actually a case, uh, but Whiteside was the judge. And there's not going to be enough money in this. And ultimately, I think it simply comes down to the man needs to eat.
0: In desperation, O'Keefe sends angry letters to Cardinal Cullen.
3: My resources are now exhausted. And I must die if you and Bishop Morden continue to withhold from me my means of living. Is there anything which I can do to obtain food and raiment? Or must I depart for the want of the necessaries of life which have now completely failed me? I shall never confess myself a criminal before me. I am a sinner before God and I will ask his mercy. Before man, I am unconscious of guilt, and I will die without seeking its pardon.
1: I regret that I cannot find grounds for sending you words of encouragement. I do not wish you ill, let alone dead, and as shepherd I am concerned for all my flock, even the strays. Unfortunately, some straying sheep are sulky and unruly and respond to the kindness of the shepherd by blows and kicks. In these situations, if the sheep is then worried by dogs and devoured by wolves, the blame does not fall on the pastor.
0: Though Cardinal Cullen wrote that letter, he didn't send it to O'Keefe. And in the ensuing silence, O'Keefe sent a volley of pretty mad postcards.
3: Warning number one. Murderer! My blood will soon cry to heaven for vengeance on your guilty soul. Warning, third and last, may God enable me to paralyze the murderous hand before the crime is consummated.
0: And then he finally capitulated.
3: I deeply regret the desecration that has been given to the faithful by the contentions in which I have been engaged. And I express my heartfelt sorrow that I have ever appealed to lay courts against the judgments of my superiors in the church. I ask for your absolution from ecclesiastical censure.
2: He has no more choice, but at this point, and there's you know, Moran has a scene in his private diary uh, where he visits Callan um, towards the end of the 1870s, and this is after the final piece has been arranged, and he sees O'Keeffe gardening in his little cottage. And he's a poor man, but he's he's at peace finally. And that's O'Keeffe's fate, is that he finally has to give up.
0: For Colin Barr, Senior Lecturer of History at the University of Aberdeen and author of a comprehensive book about the O'Keeffe case, which formed the framework around which this radio series was made, the research around the events took him all over the world.
2: There's material in Australia of relevance. Moran, the bishop, takes his, his papers with him, some of Cullen's papers and his diary. And Moran's diaries is recounting almost day by day you know, how the confirmation went, what the sound of the screams outside, what the children were doing inside the, the friary. And all of this material um, had, had just simply left Ireland. Not for any sinister reason, it just had gone with people who had gone somewhere else. So it was great fun to sit in Sydney reading about Callan and Kilkenny in the 1860s and 70s. Uh, it was great fun. Actually, my first trip to Australia was to pursue this story.
0: So you went to Australia, Where else did you go?
2: There was a lot of material in Sydney. Uh, there's material in Far West London where the religious of the Sacred Heart of Mary, the nuns who were originally come out, eventually wound up settling and they have they too have a Callan box because it's such an important part of their story. and they they told me when I when I made contact, yes, of course I'm welcome to come and which was great. And when I did, saying, "Well, nobody's ever actually only our own historian," uh, one of the sisters who would wrote a very, very good history of the order itself, of which this was a part, and she wrote a section called the Schism in Cullen, and but they carefully put together all these files in hopes that someday somebody would come along and and want to see. Um, there's material in London. There's material in Dublin, of course. There's uh, stuff in Newfoundland, believe it or not, because the Bishop of Newfoundland, who was one of Cullen's proteges, was visiting. And decided to involve himself. He tried to be a mediator when nobody wanted his help. So some, there's some papers where basically people saying, "Would you stop that?" And there's lots and lots and lots of material in Rome, in the Irish College there, in the, the Propaganda Fide archives, which is the Roman congregation that looks after or looked after controlled Ireland, in the Vatican archives. So there's there's a paper trail all leading back to this small market town in in, in County Kilkenny. There's newspapers around the world covers this in Helsinki, in Geneva. In Berlin, and not just a you know a little news item in the bottom of, of page nine. This is a major story, and it's a major story not because of O'Keeffe in a way, or because of the specifics, but because it's seen to represent another iteration of what people perceive to be a global phenomenon, which is that they perceive the Catholic Church of Pius IX to be challenging modernity, to be challenging liberalism, to be challenging democracy, as in some ways it was.
0: So you went all over the world. Mm. But you didn't get anything much in Callan? Got nothing
2: in Callan. Not a single piece of paper. I'm glad to see the town, even before the book came out, they'd marked, uh, there's a commemorative plaque at one of the chapels. There's some awareness now, largely from the rightful fame of Kilroy's novel. But even that's from the early 1970s, so there's a lag to leave, and that's been acknowledged. Just what a, a fascinating story it is, and actually what an important town it is. His burial place was virtually forgotten. He's buried in
1: Newtown Cemetery between Callan and Kells, and uh, in two thousand and one, Callan Heritage put up a plaque over his grave. So now we know where he is.
0: And what is there any special inscription on his grave or anything Not like that? Not really. No, no,
1: no, just a simple thing beca- Father, to death, uh, uh, as to who he was and yeah. his, his dates of, date of birth and death and PP of Callan and that. It was. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't elaborate.
0: This skinny on the schism was presented and produced by Monica Hayes with special thanks to expert contributor Dr. Colin Barr, acting by Jim Carroll, Donald Cadigan, Des Manahan, Jer Cody, Martina Boyd, Brendan Corcoran, Don O'Connor and John Keane. It was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.